You know, for years I've talked with you and others who listen to this podcast about trust and estate planning. And if this is the very first time we're having a conversation, then welcome. I am quite literally a subject matter expert in this area. And I've worked in the estate planning area for a long time. And I'm not going to get into the details, but I want to talk to you and with you a little bit about trusts and how they work in terms of two things, okay? A thing called directed and a thing called delegated. D-I-R-E-C-T-E-D. Directed trusts versus delegated trusts. Now, before I get into what a directed and delegated trust is, I want to share with you briefly what a revocable living trust is, as that is quite generally the most common trust out there. And the other night when I was at a network after work event in Tampa, Florida at McDenton's, and by the way, in the 400 block of South Howard in Tampa, it's called Soho South Howard, and it's a pretty cool area. If you've not been there, I would encourage you to go. I really had a good time. It's a nice area. For those of you who live in the area, congratulations, you picked a great spot. It was a good event, and one of the gentlemen I was introduced to and met, whose name I don't remember, I don't even think I have a business card, but he is recently obtained his contractor's license here in Florida. And we talked about a couple of different things, and something came up about estate planning, and the couple that I was talking with are about my age, a little bit younger, and something came up about wills and trusts and getting hurt and everything else. So I give a real quick little summary of what a will is, a pour-over will, a living will, a healthcare power, a durable power of an attorney is, what a pre-need guardian affidavit is under Florida State Statute 744-3045, the importance of ART, A-R-T, agents, representatives, and trustees. And then I went through what a revocable living trust is, and let me share that with you right now. A revocable living trust is nothing more than a contract. It's a contract between you and yourself, you as the grantor, and you as the beneficiary for the purpose of benefiting you as the beneficiary. So you get you as the grantor and the trustee. So you create it and you're going to manage it to benefit you. And because it's a contract, it avoids guardianship and probate law. And there's a pecking order as to the priority of claim. For example, if you have a stock, a company that goes bankrupt, you have creditors that are going to be paid. The last to be paid are the common stockholders. There's a priority of claim. You have your bondholders. You have those who have equipment and, and uh, various uh, items that you've been sold, and, and um, you have to you know pay those, those things off. And so in a revocable living trust, you are the primary beneficiary as long as you're alive. And, and when you're gone, then you have the contingent or secondary beneficiary or the final beneficiary, whatever term in language one wants to use and who is eventually going to receive the money. But a lot of people will create a trust and in this trust they want to have, for example, an income stream. Now, a lot of people just don't think these things through and I really hope you will for just a moment because it's not that tough. And sometimes people think, well, I just don't have enough money for this. Well, here was my example. You're going down South Howard and Amazon Prime has a semi and the driver is grossly negligent, runs a red light at the 400 block and you're in your Toyota Prius and you are now a pancake. You are now being served at the House of Pancakes, International House of Pancakes. You're flat and you're dead. So litigation kicks in and you weren't really worth all that much money by the time you paid off your debt. If you sold everything, you're, you know, you're, you're young, you're starting out, right? You still have college debt, but now that's all going to be gone away because you're dead. Litigation kicks in 
and uh, the potential income and the loss. And so jury awards your estate. Okay, this is a big deal. Your estate, not mommy or daddy, but your estate because you're single. You're not uh, you're not married. There's no legal obligation to give to a spouse. And I'm not going to get into the details of that. Your estate gets five million dollars. But your mom and dad are shitbags. I mean, they really are. You went to college, you did something well to yourself, and most of you who made something of yourself, a lot of your parents were shitbags. And it's okay to say that. There's, a lot of people get really upset when I say things like this, but it's the truth. You know, sometimes the seed blows a long ways away from the tree. So mom and dad might have been doctors, and you wind up being a drug addict on meth. On the other hand, you might have parents who were just real complete losers, Oh, they worked, but they could never accumulate anything. They just always found a way to spend money. You saw that and said, I'm not doing that. And you made something of yourself. You had a long-term time horizon. You said, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And you did. Unfortunately, you got cut short. You would very much like to have a long-term life, but by, uh, by age uh, 27, 28, 29, 30, you're done. And it happens. I have a friend, uh, an acquaintance, let me say that, uh, a person who stood me up on an appointment recently and um, won't be making that mistake again. And um, they have a child that passed away early. I've had several clients that that's happened to, just a lot of clients. And that really affects people weird. Most people, and I'm telling you this straight up, it's no different than lottery winnings. It's no different than when Bobby gets the big... Uh, contract for sports or even, you know, Nicholas Cage is a classic example of man na- making big money and blowing it. When people have a child that dies and there's an insurance settlement, uh, there's some kind of an estate settlement of any kind of substance, they tend to blow that money like everybody else. So they'll get the motor home, they'll get the motorcycles, they'll get the Corvette, they'll buy the house, they'll go on the trips. They have this guilt trip and then years later they kind of realized, um, you know, wow, there's a lot of guilt there. And it unfortunately, it causes a lot of stress. And people sometimes don't live quite as long when they have stress. So you're saying, where are you going with this, Polly? Well, here's where I'm going with this. Most of the people that come to us as clients are younger. We get very few people over 65 because most of the people over 65, even though they have the overwhelming majority of the money, they're stuck in their ways. They're just in ruts. They're using the same investment advisor who is abusing them with commissions, the broker, the financial planner. They're, they're, they want that emotional hug and mug. It's the, it's the shiny object. They're always, you know, what's the latest, greatest thing? And it's just all about being lonely and paying for a relationship is really what it comes down to. You really ask yourself, what is this person doing for me when you come right down to it? So most of our clients, when we get them. I mean, they're, they're under the age of 50 because they're a little more sophisticated in terms of technology. They appreciate what we do and how we do it and how we will always be not on ahead of the curve, but right at the cutting edge. You never want to be too far ahead because you get burned. Let somebody else take the, take the arrows. Okay. There's not a lot of those scouts on wagon trains that went West that made it. <laughs> it was the guys that were grouped up together and first one that got there did okay, but you understand where I'm going with that. But you got this, you have a a trust, but now if you're gone, who's going to manage it for you? Now, instead of distributing your money in a lump sum to mommy and daddy or whoever, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, or whoever, you say, you know what I'd rather do? I'd rather make sure that money is metered out over a period of time and that it stays intact. I'd rather help people over a long-term time horizon than a short-term time horizon. 
And I'm big into time horizons. I encourage everyone to read the book, The Unheavenly City by Edward C. Banfield. And one of these days, I'll give you a deep critique of that. It had a profound impact on me, and I'm not going to get off on a tangent on it. But one of the things that is the biggest indicator of success in life is a time horizon. Those who have a short-term time horizon, Johnny Lunchbucket, Jane Lunchbucket, paycheck to paycheck, they're never going to have a pot to piss in long-term. It's just a fact. They would not, well, they're not going to have the pot. They're not going to have the piddle. They're not going to make anything of themselves. They're just constantly like a rat on a uh, treadmill. I mean, they're just they're in a rat maze. So, you know, this guy's Mr. Pancake. We'll call him Mr. Pancake. Mr. Pancake's dead. He, he created a, all of his estate planning documents as a single man. So if he, ta- he goes to the hospital, he's, he, he's, they've got him on life support. He has a living will that says what he wants to have happen. They take him off life support. And he continues to live for a while, like Karen Ann Quinlan. Look up Karen Ann Quinlan, see who she is. Or Terry Schiavo, look who, up who she was. And so you continue to live. Well, you're alive, but who's going to make the medical care decisions for you? What kind of a lifestyle, what kind of medical care do you want? That's what a health care power of attorney is all about. Because you're alive, you have assets that you still own. Even though they're in the name of your trust, your trust is to benefit you. So somebody has to come in as a trustee now to manage your money. Who's that going to be? You're going to name mommy and daddy, who basically every nickel that went into their pocket is going to burn a hole out? I don't think so. If you do, you're dumb. You got to look at these things from a non-emotional standpoint. It, it just is what it is, okay? No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. So you have this trust. Now, who's going to be the trustee? Aha, there you go. Now, that's a whole discussion in and of itself. And I'm not going to get into that today. Who do you name as your successor trustee? I'm not going to get into that. What I do want you to understand is the words directed and delegated. And this is one of the things that's really important because there are a lot of investment advisors who are charging a percentage of assets under management. And what they want you to do, and I've seen this years after years for decades, these scumbags want to be named on your documents as the person who will be responsible for investing your money, okay? So let me give you how this works. Directed trust, okay? A directed trust means that the investment advisory firm remains as the legacy advisor and will continue in that position serving the trustee. So you created your revocable living trust. You're now dead. You're a pancake. You have a bank trust department that comes in and they're going to manage the monies. However, when it comes to the actual management, the investment portion, your dude with, you know, slippity sloppity slew is going to continue to be your dude and charge you one and a half, two or three percent a year. The bank is going to charge the same thing. Now, banks don't like this. Trust companies don't like these directed trusts. Because they want to be the trustee and the investment advisor. And then they have extraordinary hourly compensation and procedure commissions on top. They want to get the whole nine yards. They can make themselves three, four, five, seven percent a year. They're a happy camper. So they don't want to, they don't really like that directed trust. So what you have out there are trust companies, a lot of virtual digital trust companies, so that basically all they're doing is they're doing 
the accounting. They're doing the oversight. They're just making sure that things are being done properly by the investment advisor who is directed by you to be the investment advisor for the for your, your monies. Now, a delegated trust, delegated, D-E-L-E-G-A-T-E-D. Now, a delegated trust, the difference, here's a key, the trustee is legally responsible to oversee and approve all of the investments. So they got the, they got the whole ball of wax. Here's what I want you to be very concerned about. There are a lot of men and women out there who are getting older. A lot of boomers are getting older. And they're making some really dumb decisions. Decisions that are based upon breakfast, lunch, and dinner, seminars and workshops, shiny objects. Oh, this sounds so good. I'm going to do it. And they are doing estate planning with attorneys who are violating their oath to being fiduciaries to their clients. They have relationships with people where they're getting paid either directly or indirectly, transparent or non-transparent compensation. And banks have been doing this for years. Oh, the bank trust department. Oh, you're big buddy. But then they put you in the bank's mutual funds. So let's say you have a bank, the ABC Sunshine Bank, and they have a trust company. And you had this teller and she's been very friendly to you and blah, blah, blah. And eventually she introduces you to the branch manager who is happy to talk with you and would love to have you put all your money in CDs and savings, but realizes, well, we really can't do that. And of course, years ago, we used to have a thing called the Glass-Steagall Act, and that was repealed. And what it said years ago is banks are banks, insurance companies are insurance companies, brokers are brokers, dealers are dealers. You can't be in everybody's business. Unfortunately, as time went along, some of these banks said, to hell with you, and we're going to get into everybody's business, okay? Bank of America, their forerunners and all this, they're the ones that really caused this. And Congress basically, through a thing called the Graham-Leach Act, they repealed Glass-Steagall, which was put in place after the Great Depression back in the 20s and 30s. And now everybody can get in everybody else's business. The problem with that is the conflicts of interest. The potential conflicts of interest are huge. So your branch manager says, well, you know, we'll handle your investments. We have our own broker-dealer. So now you, well, okay, this is easy. I got this girl. I like to see her. My wife has died. Uh, you know, hey, she's a pretty girl. She's quite voluptuous. Oh, she's always friendly to me, blah, blah, blah. And your brain is, is on, on the, in weirdoville. I mean, come on. This happens all the time. A pretty face from a guy or a gal, they sw somebody swoons over them. Okay. So, well, I have a reason to come in. I, I give the bank my money. And I give more money, more money, more. And eventually the bank, well, we've got an attorney on staff. Well, you, you never should use an attorney from anyone who's paying the attorney. They can't do it. You have to pay for your services. But they tend to be a little loosey-goosey on this. Some of these bar associations in various states, they're very loosey-goosey. Others, depends upon who you are. If you're with a big bank, they look sideways. If you're a little bank, they'll come after you. It's a fact. So what happens is, and then they get your documents squared around, and the documents say, well, name our trust company. Well, okay, that sounds good. You meet this friendly trust officer, the mahogany room. They've got the suit and tie on. Oh, boy, they look, you know, they look like they walked out of uh, stage, stage three, and they're filming, you know, uh, Mr. Willoughby is going to the bank. Mahogany desk. I mean, it's cool, right? Man, you're not getting styrofoam. You're getting Wedgwood. You know, the cups and saucers and, and you know, it's not some Walmart hostess ho-hos. I mean, they've got really fancy fruit and cheese and, boy, these are fresh-baked croissants. And, wow, this is nice. So you name this bank trust company because, I mean, you got your money there and the cute girl who's a teller and now you die. You see, everybody is in a conflict of interest because everybody's getting a bonus to get you in and wrap you up with everything. 
So you have to understand that when you talk to these advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners who are not true fiduciaries, they don't do it the way we do it here at Fixed Cost Financial, okay? This is the home of fixed cost investing. This is the home of a true fiduciary-based registered investment advisor. We're passionate about what we do. Oh, we're different. We're different, it's different, and you're different. You should not be treated like everybody else, okay? You're not a little green army man. Oh, there's about, what, 10 or 12 different little green army men out there? But you're not one of them. You're unique. And because we we treat our clients that way, we talk about things like Bobby. If you're the first time listening, we talk about Bobby all the time. Big bets and big ideas. It's a, it's a lifestyle approach. But the thing is, you need to do what you like, are good, profitable, and can control. And the way we do it, it's better, it's simple, and it works. And when you listen to us, you know, what we're, you know we know what we're talking about because we've been doing it for such a long time. We're not selling a bunch of, oh, this is the next greatest investment in the world. No, no. So when it comes to directed and delegated trust, you need to, you need to dig into it. You need to understand because it's all about who's going to control the assets and earn the investment fees. And reading the contract is what these guys get paid. You would be amazed at how much money these trust companies make. Some of the most profitable departments in a bank are the trust companies, okay, the trust department. And on top of that, always remember, this is the same organization that wants to lend you money. They always want to lend you money. It's always about lending money. You know, if you, if the thing is free, always remember that. If whatever it is, oh, it's free. No, it's not free. It's means you're the commodity. Your information's being sold. You're going to be pitched. They want to sell you debt obligations. The more in debt you are, the more problems you have in life. Debt inhibits growth. So understand for this, a lot of people have revocable living trusts, and a lot of people name, it's, it's so common, it's just really common, they name their oldest child. Oh, well, you know, Bobby's the oldest, so we'll name Bobby. Bobby's a moron. Bobby rides a motorcycle without a helmet about 90 miles an hour up the interstate going down I-10 because he's got to go to work in Let's say he's living in Pensacola and he drives every day over all the way over to uh, New Orleans. And, he, and he's a maniac. Oh, he's a nice guy. Used to be a doper. Still has doper friends. I think he's a good guy, but he's our oldest one. He should handle things. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, we're just close. I, I trust him the most. Well, let me ask you a question. When you were in the, heart, in the hospital with a heart attack, where was Bobby? Well, he, he couldn't come by that day. How's, how's Bobby doing financially? Oh, he's on his third wife and... And they're doing fine, and, and he'll be done with child support pretty soon. And haven't met the new one, and this is who you're going to name because you just happen to have intercourse, create a baby. You made baby batter that took. Uh, you cooked it. It came out, and that's Bobby. And because of that pecking order, uh, that's the one you're going to name. Yeah, that's dumb. But I can tell you on the average and whole for the most part, after 33 years of doing this, that's 90% of the people that do their state documents. We talk about art, A-R-T, Okay. Who's your agent? Who's going to handle the durable power? Who are you naming in your durable power, your healthcare powers, right? Your living will. Those are agents. Representative is the word we use, not for an executor or executrix. In Florida, we've eliminated gender-based terms. Now it's gender neutral, so it's personal representative. That's the person that's going to handle the will, the probate aspect, okay? Even if you have a revocable living trust, you always have to have a will. Not going to get into that today, but understand that. And also, then you have the trustee. So when you put the words together, A-R-T, that's why I say all the time, it's truly an art as to who you select to be the artist of your estate when you're no longer around. Hey, listen, I've talked long enough on that. Directed and delegated trust. This is just a little item helping connect some dots that are really critical to think through to avoid the landmines in the world of, well, life. 
This has been episode 37 of Connecting Dots. Thank you for listening. Please visit our sponsor, Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing, at fixedcostinvesting.com. That's fixedcostinvesting.com. We got love that will never need to hide. Love will always rise above. Whatever comes, we will be just fine. If I am yours and you are mine. Take my hand and let's fly away to another galaxy. Hold me close, I want to feel your love. Together we are free. Just be with me. Just be with me. Just be with me. Now we're one with the sun over our heads. And at night we'll be the stars. We can go any place that we want to I don't care if that's too far Take my hand and let's fly away To another galaxy Hold me close, I want to feel your love Together we are free Just be with me Just be with me Just be with me. All rights reserved. Reproduction prohibited without written authorization.